0: Happy 2021, everyone. This is The Hockey Flow, and I'm Major Cordero, and I'm here to bring you the best of the world on the ice, along with the two best co-hosts that uh, the world can ask for, and that is Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico. Adam Boucher can be found on Twitter really Adam B, and of course, Marco can be found at scrimmageandstats.com, and of course, The Hockey Expert. Today, we have a special guest as we lead off into our uh, coverage of the post, uh, post-tournament coverage of the World Juniors, and of course, the startup of the NHL season. Our special guest is someone we've wanted on the show as soon as we started, and luckily for you, dear listeners, you are in for a treat. Journalist, broadcaster, podcaster, and sharpest dresser in the Montreal media scene, now that Salim Valje is out west in Calgary. His work can be found on the Waterboys podcast, "I have his eyes on the prize, Yahoo Sports Canada, 538, CTV Montreal, the Gazette, and plenty more awesome, fine publications and platforms, and we can humbly add a guest appearance on the Hockey Flow. Give him a follow on Twitter at J-K-A-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Guys and gals and non-binary pals, put your hands together for Julian McKenzie.
1: Thanks so much for for having me, guys. It's uh, it's, I'm humbled uh, that you guys have wanted to be on this show, and I'm happy uh, I get to to be on with you, AJ. It's good to meet you, Adam. It's good to put a name to a face with with Marco. I, I see his work on Twitter a lot, so uh, I'm pretty excited to be on the show with you guys.
0: Hopefully, with all the right reasons, right? Because uh, usually Twitter can be quite the cesspool, but most I'm sure- of them are are right. I think. <laughs> Well, I mean, it helps that his name is the hockey expert. I hope more than 50% are correct, right? Like the hockey expert? Like, is there's like a lot of hockey experts
1: on, on hockey Twitter, right? So,
0: like, he's not even like specializing, like, he's ice hockey, not even field hockey.
2: Like, you may be a yeah. field hockey. You Twitter have no here. idea how much I know about
0: field hockey. I do. I really, really don't know how much you know about field hockey. Oh, my God. I wrote the
2: expected goals yeah. model for field hockey. You didn't know this? oh i'm so the bad. hockey expert ladies and gentlemen i called experts. a few
1: i called a few uh field hockey games at uh, when i was at syracuse university i could have used For that i did true. yeah went to syracuse it's true i did go to syracuse yeah yeah didn't salim was, uh, go there as well no no no. no 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 salim's been everywhere but i don't think he's been to syracuse <laughs> okay there you go no
2: nah, he's never been with the crunch
1: no oh, i man. i interned with the crunch but uh, oh. not him
2: oh man that was that must have been really fun
1: but Yeah, that, that uh, could be for a whole other podcast Well, episode. we're
2: going to talk about the AHL on this show, but I feel yeah. like that that's a story for another time for sure. True. Oh,
1: man, I have, I have plenty of stories.
2: <laughs> well, let's start off with a sad one, unfortunately, that we all had to share in
0: last night as we watched the gold medal game between the U.S. and Canada and the World Juniors. And unfortunately, after a very successful dominating t- uh, tournament, Canada fell short, losing 2 nothing to the U.S., uh, You're our guest, Julian. I want to throw it out to you. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me what you're thinking right now.
1: I was I was very surprised, Um, but I there's a part of me that thought it was so cool that uh, Trevor Zegers. I'm sure you guys all saw the clip of him uh, with the NHL Network before the game, saying that the Canadians hadn't really been tested at that point up until they got to the gold medal game, and. Just to see the confidence that he carried in, I mean, he was the best forward of the, he ended up being the MVP of of the entire tournament. I think they gave best forward to Tim Stutzlow, who was great, but kind of weird to me that they would do it that way, but that's a whole other tangent. But I just thought it was so cool that the Americans kind of carried that swagger and for pretty much 40, 45 minutes of that game, The Americans just took it to Canada. They were so fast, and the defense just felt overwhelmed at different points. And then when the Canadians realized, hey, we're down 2-0, we need to get a goal in here, uh, especially in the third period, a lot of their shots are coming in from from quite a distance. They're coming in off the wings. The United States took away the entire middle of the ice, and they completely shut them down. I give the Americans full marks, and what's crazy to see now is how people are – Discussing the fact that the Americans are this hockey superpower, and other people are realizing, like, wow, like in a a few years, the Americans are going to turn into this superpower. And, and they're, and I mean, think about it like, like, this is like the fourth time that Canada has lost to the Americans in a gold medal game at the World Junior Championship. Like, Mark Denis was like the last goaltender, the last Canadian goaltender to beat the Americans at a World Junior Hockey Championship final. Like, I mean. I don't want to be that guy, but let's be real here. If Canada won yesterday, fine, we'd, we'd praise Canada and we'd look at them as, as a team that's that was so dominant throughout the tournament, probably the most dominant we'd see in like 15 years. And people were bringing up that storyline before we even got to the final. But to see... Um, The Americans win a tournament, fine, at the expense of Canada, but to see them win. But to see that the Finns are are still a really good team, they ended up getting a bronze medal uh, just before the gold medal game happened. I also think Germany deserves some props as well. This is a team that had up to nine players uh, quarantined with COVID and Tim Stutzla pretty much put the team on his back and they still found a way to qualify for the quarters. The World Junior Championships, as sad as Canadian fans may feel after how that gold medal game went, you can take pride in, in knowing that the tournament still features a lot of great quality teams all across the world and the the tournament is way better hockey is way better when there's much more competition i mean we a lot of people will, will get nationalistic and they want to see canada win but like i'm not sad that the americans won that gold medal game i'm not sad to see trevor segris get a point in in the uh, on both american goals like i'm 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 pretty amped to see that other countries have realized, you know what, they need to step up and, and be on Canada's level and surpass it. The, the game of hockey is much more fun when more and more teams are, 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 are getting wins in and, and succeeding. And it's not just the same team winning all the time. Canada's not going to win every single gold medal. They may very well come back next year and and beat Sweden or, or Russia or whoever they face in the final. The tournament is much more fun when more and more countries get in on the winning and getting on the dominating. So pats off to the Americans. They played a solid game.
3: To add on to what you said you said, Julian, it almost feels like the US are just built to play against Canada. Cause you, you, you saw them like you saw them struggle against Finland, right? They almost lost that game. They gave up that three goal lead, two goal lead, and they come in and they just dominate Canada. They just they were just so good at clogging up the mid the middle, like the center of the ice and just Spencer Knight just when Canada came back in the third period, he was just robbing them left and right. We got so. a
1: shout out Spencer Knight too. I didn't yeah. even get to mention Spencer Knight's first game of the tournament gets pulled after allowing four goals on 12 shots. And in his final game of the tournament against the best team, against a goalie who was, was on the verge of probably having the best statistics of any goalie at the tournament, he shuts puts up out. his best performance, shuts yeah. them out. That is what the tournament is about. Stories like that, like... That's awesome. Big up to Spencer Knight, I a mean, big night for Florida Panthers goalies between Devin Levi and Spencer Knight, but big up to to him for, for getting the
2: job done. I think that's a really great story. Yeah. And uh, you guys talk about like, this is seeing the United States really kind of dominate. It's been what, five, six gold medals in the last 15 years at this point, like they they went from having one gold medal in, in 10 years to having six, like that's a huge increase. And we've seen some serious heartbreakers in the past, but why is it that no one remembers who Canada beat in 2014, but everybody, everybody can tell you who Canada beat in 2010? Because that game was legendary. And again, it was against that golden age, that 95 to 2000s age of American and Canadian hockey players that just made that game great. We're going to see a lot of these guys... As international hockey moves uh, into the 2020s, and it's going to be a lot like what we saw in the 2000s, a lot of elite talent. And when we look at the United States, like this is that US national development team. This is the team that took over the 2019 draft. So if you look at all of these players and everything they've accomplished throughout their careers, you know, they didn't have Jack Hughes. A lot of people are looking at Canada and being Oh, they didn't have Lafreniere, they didn't have Dak, but the United States didn't have Jack Hughes, the centerpiece of that jewel of that team. And they still got the job done. Uh, Other than Matt Veneers, a lot of these players have been playing together for the last five years of their lives. It's pretty intense that this team won the U18s and the U20s now. Like this, This is it. They have done everything they possibly could on an amateur level, and they're all going to turn pro now to me. You've written your story. This is an ode to the U.S. national development system. I think they're doing great work. We're going to see it again this draft. We're going to see it again next draft. And I don't think it's an outlandish fanboy thing to say that the United States has positioned itself to be a hockey power for years to come. I think it's pretty straightforward at this point. It's undeniable. So uh, hats off
0: to the boys from Lake Placid because they've just been crushing it over the last few years. Um, a shame for us in Canada. We I know a lot of us stayed up late to watch the the gold medal coronation ceremony, but hey, we always have next year. More importantly, we like we like everyone sort of is bringing up the same points. It's going to be a fabulous few couple of years in international hockey play. Hopefully, if the NHL can come to some agreements also for some outside tournaments that they may have problems attending. Now let's move to the main event of our evening, and that is the discussion of... The NHL returns and the NHL is returning on Jan the 13th. And we're so excited. I don't know about you listeners, but you, I do know about you. you're listening to our show. So you must care and the care we shall, because we're in the middle of a current pandemic, which is getting worse, unfortunately, here in Quebec, uh, where we're recording the show. And this is often this is going to be some of the only entertainment that a lot of us are going to be able to consume together. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. I'm going to throw it over to Adam. What are your thoughts as we lead into this NHL season? What are the big stories? What are the big things we need to know?
3: Well, first of all, the, the the new divisions are going to be like, they're going to be the game changer for the whole season, right? Like we've, some of the teams we've never seen face off that, we're never going to see them face off as much as this season, right? Otherwise you have a, well, there's a bunch of signings and, and, and new faces and new towns we're going to talk about later, but there's also branding stuff like that. It's a different season. It's for sure. It's going to be 56 games. So it's going to be different for sure. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I know what Marco has in, in mind for this season, but it's definitely going to be se- different. My theme for this season is yeah. taxi squads. Yeah. Yo, like I knew the CBA as
2: as well as the next guy who's read through it like I, I have gone I've spent hours on that thing you've now thrown the wrinkle of taxi squads I gotta understand an entire new chapter to a CVA what absolute mind-boggling brilliance between the NHLPA and the NHL to come up with this so fast so quickly and completely redefines the way they use salary and exchange player movement in a pandemic no less like it's Mark Bridgerman said it best. There's going to be cap gymnastics this year. Like, it's going to be all out, just like, it won't even make sense. Like, two weeks from now, we're going to see Paul Byron have gone through waivers and back on the team like four times. And we won't even know why he was on waivers to begin with, but they just did it. You know, like, it's, I love it. I think that it's going to be a more fluid kind of player personnel league. I think we're going to see something a little bit more uh, tangible. And I feel like when we look at, canadian teams we we're talking about the canadian division before with adam and the way things break down i think teams like montreal toronto uh winnipeg and ottawa are going to have a net advantage when it comes to that flexibility because their farm teams are right at home unlike calgary unlike edmonton unlike vancouver so it's going to make recalling and player fluidity Far easier for them because they will all be playing mostly out of the same building at this point. It's quite interesting this year. So going to be fun. It's almost going to be like an old school European soccer league where you, your full team is like 50 players and then
3: you divide them up. So I find it cool. We might see a bunch of CHL players jumping to the AHL faster Absolutely. quicker than than we thought and even maybe even on the taxi squad right yeah like
1: yeah. Uh, i saw arpan basu tweet out that uh, kaden Gooley might be on his way to the uh, the montreal canadiens camp and that's a guy who's just coming off a, a silver medal with the canadian team and i think he impressed uh pav fans a little more than they were going to give him credit for and as opposed to having those CHL players wait until an undetermined day at this point, it looked as if the OHL is going to start in February. Who knows when that's going to start now. Uh, now those players can at least get to to spend some time playing pro or at least just getting to play period and still contribute positively to, to their development. I'm really intrigued with the taxi squads, just like you are, Marco. I admit I have not read the CBA as much as you have been professing to, but I am really intrigued at how teams are going to use these taxi squads. And I'm really, really intrigued at, the young players who are also going to come up and down those squads? Do you put a young player on a taxi squad knowing that you want them at a moment's notice, even though they're likely not, they could be using that time to be playing in the AHL or do you let them ride with the group B team? Like people are going to look at Ryan Paling over the next few days and, and determine that themselves. Right. So I, I'm really intrigued at what the the different taxi squads are going to look like a Corey Perry. I know I'm, or I'm keeping it with the Montreal Canadiens right now, but that's the team I cover a lot. So I think of them a lot, uh, guys like him and like micro for league are going to be going in and out of those taxi squads. And I mean, as a result, you're seeing a lot of a lot of deep teams like the, like the Canadians, for example, this is as deep as a forward roster as as I've ever seen them with all because of the fact that they're able to carry extra forwards through said taxi squad. But rest assured other teams around the all Canadian division and other parts of the league are also going to be doing similar
2: things as well. I was going to say that benefits the teams with farm teams that are close to home. Definitely. So like, if you look at a team like Toronto, they're going to have a guy like Nick Robertson right on their farm team or on their taxi squad at a moment's notice because they're playing out of the same building. It doesn't take that. It takes four straight tests to clear for quarantine. So he could be on the team within five days if he just follows protocol and they all stay in the same bubble to sorts. It works out well from a strategic perspective, but it also gives these prospects that are like right on the cusp that advantage that they didn't used to have because of the AHL rule. So I, I think that, this is uncharted territory for people that follow prospects. And I really like that point because it serves a team like Montreal that's got guys on the bubble that they just drafted that are already ahead of the curve because they had nine months to grow physically. So this is why you have a Kaden Gouli, a Jan Nisha that could potentially join the Canadians. Even Toronto can pot- potentially recall some players from Europe, like, you know, best defenseman in the tournament, Nimala, in case his tournament ends or his season ends in March or April in Finland. So there are a lot of benefits to that. I think that it's something that we're going to hear a lot of as the season progresses. The lack of gate revenue, with the lack of concessions revenue, without the lack of uh, corporate
0: seats, so the lack of uh, season long ticket sales, or just even ticket sales in general, the NHL has been, and their ownership has been forced to look at different alternative streams. And one of them is that they're going to be selling off the naming rights of each of these divisions, including uh, calling the North division, which why are we calling it North? Just call it Canada division, but whatever. Um, but they're calling that one, the social like five Bank. names for it. So uh, it's kind of a strange situation to see. Um, uh, but the, obviously the big conversation is, is, Hey, once this is the pandemic is over and we're back in the stadium, it's not like these advertising sponsors are going to disappear. It, and, and uh, the thing that the longer term guess a lot of people are making is, Hey, what happens when they start asking for jerseys to be branded? So I wanted to get your thoughts on these. Uh, so I'm going to throw it over to you, Marco first. Cause, uh, well, I I
2: mean, they got to do whatever they can to keep that league afloat. End of the day, like we can say whatever we want. We can complain. We can say it's ugly. You're not in normal times. These people put on a show for you at their expense to make playoffs and finish that season. Sure. There was a tad of money to be made, but not enough money that it would have like, it wasn't worth that sacrifice. Like they, they did it to end the season. They did it to reach their end. And they did it to, display longevity because at the end of the day their product was hurt. Every product was hurt by this. You, you there no league lost money in this pandemic. They gotta find ways to be a competitive league. And at this point, they cannot do it simply with you know TV revenue. You got to find alternatives. The easy alternative is what other leagues are doing. Unfortunately, NHL hockey fans are very 're very yeah. They're very conservative with change in, in in regards to the visual aspects of their sport. I find everyone seems to have an issue with a tinted visor. Uh, that was one of the first things that I noticed that was really weird. Uh, everybody seemed to have an issue uh, with different color palettes just for names on the back, so it had to be black. It, they always had different issues when it came to the branding. We didn't even have a, a uniform just appreciation for the retro jerseys that they released. Everyone had a say in it. So whatever it is you're going to do with this league, someone's going to complain. If they're able to get revenue from this, so be it. The players don't need to sacrifice money. Their futures aren't hurt. The game is not hurt. No franchises will necessarily have to fold because there is solid income coming in and the revenue sharing will be working because every team is pretty much over the floor at this point. Well enough. So why not? Just go and get the money you can for this season. And if the model works in a way that is tasteful moving forward, then let's so be it raise the salary cap, make teams more competitive that way.
1: And I think a lot of fears uh, from fans come from when they would like, I think anything to do with advertising on, on apparel for anything. I think a lot of just hockey fans period, just immediately think of those European style jerseys decked out in all of these different advertisements. And I, I get where they're coming from. They're, they're hit is looking jerseys, depending on whichever league they, they come from. No disrespect to anyone who's big fans of those leagues, but they're, they're eyesores to look at. But no one ever brings up, Oh, wow. Uh, the NBA found a way to put you know, a, a logo on top of uh, whatever team name is there. No one ever brings them up. No one ever brings up uh, the soccer jersey. I mean, sometimes people do, but even they found a way to to have make sponsors on their jerseys and and make them look cool. And people are still buying soccer kits. Um, people will adjust to change. There are people much older than us who remember watching hockey games where there were no advertisements on the boards, so I was now, literally
0: talking to an old boomer hockey yeah. <laughs> fan that was literally talking about this this today, and he was yeah. saying, "I remember that," and he remember he talked about like the two years of change and how horrible it was to get used to these ads. Yeah, no, but but let's be real here. There are people who 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 probably
1: told up a fit about it and but eventually after some time they all adjusted that's eventually what's going to happen and i give the nhl full marks on on this the the helmet ads are not overly invasive you know the the bell on on the Montreal Canadiens helmets and and the Scotiabank logo on Toronto and I think Calgary's helmets as well. They they look nice. I don't consider them as massive distractions. Also, some of these same people who are going to complain about all these advertisements on jersey on their jerseys or whatever, they're not going to have any complaints about the fact that they're walking around with Nike swoosh logos on the on their stuff, or Adidas or whatever. You know, they're, 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 very, they're very selective about some of the outrage that they put. So I, I think that people are going to be, people are always going to argue about change. People are always going to be very hesitant about change. But this is not a change that is oppressive or abrasive in any way. And people will eventually adjust. And personally, it would not. I mean, I know they're saying now that this is a temporary change for the 2021 NHL season. Well, sorry, the 2021 NHL season. It would not surprise me in the least if that money they have coming in from these ads continues to stream in for for years to come. Because again, it's not invasive, it's not a big deal. We already have the ads on the boards. We're already seeing the hologram ads along the uh, the glass and stuff. Yeah, the overlay like that. ones. Like yeah. like seriously, like it's it's not a big deal. And knowing the money, look, when you when you have an opportunity to have money coming in you're gonna find a way to keep that money coming in. You don't just say like, all right, we're just doing it for this year and then we're just gonna done off and, and deal away with it. They're saying it's a temporary change now. And I don't have any insight on it, but just knowing how people like to have money, I would not be surprised in the slightest if after this season, the NHL said, okay, we're going to find a way to keep these things going.
0: So in your professional opinion, Julian, in. people like money.
1: I think that's like the most safe thing I could say. I've I've been wrong about so many things, but <laughs> I think you got,
0: I think you got this one in a nutshell. This is, this is, I, what, I, this I, is why they pay you the to,
1: big bucks. <laughs> I'm willing to bet actually put money down that people
3: like money.
0: Uh, nonetheless, I, I think that, uh, first of all, let me get your thoughts, Adam. Do you want to add anything on this as well?
3: I mean, if selling off division names and putting logos on on helmets is what it takes to, to have an NHL season, so be it. It's it's so minimal; it it won't matter in this in a year. Even if when hockey starts off again, no one's going to talk about it anymore. So,
0: I th- I think I think you're all identifying the right thing that most people will sort of they'll. Bitch about the the, the actual. It'll
3: wear off.
1: But the I, thing is, is like you also have to consider that, and I know other leagues have it to their to their own set of ways how they advertise the game too. The NHL is a gate driven league, and like as opposed to leagues like the NBA and the NFL that get so much money through their TV deals, the National Hockey League is not as fortunate. So of course, a league like them. Is going to have to be in bed a little bit more with these advertisers and find creative ways to make money. And and even the leagues like the NBA and the NH and the NFL are going to find other ways to, to do it as well. Like I said, the NBA, they're making all that money. They're still putting ads on their jerseys too. Like it's it's inevitable that the NHL is going to is going to do it. I mean, it's it's part of the game. At the end of the day, as long as well, I don't you know if it's part of the game. It, I think it's part of the business of the game, right? So it's like, part of the business of the game. Well, I mean, I mean the game is the game, but still, <laughs> like it's 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 part of it here. But like as as long as, for me, it's two things. As long as there is the sport being played, and as long, and I guess this is more from an aesthetic point of view. As long as whatever I'm seeing still looks cool, right? Like, like AJ, you and I are both fans of of English Premier League teams. And we both have prompt, they obviously have prominent sponsors on their on their chest. I walk around with a big Chevrolet logo on my Manchester United jersey. And like you might look at it and be like, it's like team Chevrolet or whatever if you didn't know any better. But like who cares? That's part that's still part of the style. Like, you know, like people will adjust and and as long as it still looks cool,
0: people are still gonna vibe with it. The only thing I would suggest as a a concrete suggestion to take today even is that there should be a restriction on the number of ownerships that a company can take or at least the product lines they can take. Because, for example, the North Division is being sponsored by Scotiabank. Scotiabank already has naming rights on the Toronto uh, arena now. They have a bunch of naming rights in a bunch of different jurisdictions as well. Uh, I'm not saying you can't have those naming rights. I'm just saying maybe advertise different products from the Scotia Bank line. So at least there's some differentiation because if everything is just the same, I just don't want to be the NHL brought to you by insert choice uh, corporation so uh, anyway well long time, long story short we're at least happy and we're all in agreement that hockey is back and we're all excited about that regardless of ads or not we will all have to endure them nonetheless over the next season of 56 games uh, we have a little bit of odds and ends news that we should go through so uh, where do you want to take us Adam uh, what, 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 what's speaking your interest
3: well let's first go uh, ahead with Zdeno Chara signing with Washington right he's been with Boston for what 14 15 years, even more than that. Marco, I think you have the exact number. And I hand. don't I feel yeah.
0: old because I knew him when he was on the Senators. <laughs> I, I feel too, old because I, I knew him on the Islanders. Islanders. Thanks, Mike Bilberry
1: traded him. Oh, yeah. Right.
3: Mike, and Mike Bilberry Mike Bilbury really liked him. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. Gave Otto a spet support. That's so weird because we know him as a Boston Bruin, but he's no, he no was, I, I
2: always used to think of him as a senator. But for some he was reason, playing too. hockey
3: 10 years before that, which is. I know right? he's been in the yeah. league for so long. And yeah. now that he's, he's
1: like, what, like 42, 43, I don't, 43? don't know how specific, but, like the, but think about it, the fact that he still wants to, he still wanted to stay in Boston and, and be around those guys. Like, like I, if, like a lot of people who I've been speaking to in the past few days about it are still kind of mystified over how that went down, because that's a, a guy who's pretty much, he's pretty much a lifer for Boston. Like he, like the amount of years he spent with the Bruins, that's an NHL career. That's a solid NHL career. Like he could have spent yeah. his entire career in Boston and everyone would have just been like giving him the benefit of the doubt. Be like, oh, well, he's just like a Boston Bruin. So a lot of people were very surprised to see him go. I was surprised as well. I, would, I wouldn't have thought he wanted to actually go play for for another team. And now that he's going to play in Washington, now I'm doubly sad that Henry Glundquist can't play because that team would have easily been like, like what's the name of that movie with all those old... Um, the Expendables. The expendables. It would have been like <laughs> hockey's equivalent of the Expendables. That's not to say everyone the Washington Capitals <laughs> are old, but like you have a team with Ovechkin, who is in his mid-30s. He's pushing up there. He's trying to get that goal-scoring record. He's trying to get one more ride. Uh, You'd you, you get Henrik Lundquist back there as a backup goalie. You'd get Zdeno Chara there now. You get Maybe Joe Thurton on uh, trade deadline day. <laughs> I mean, who, I mean, who knows if that'll happen because I think Toronto might actually end up winning that division. They might not need to trade Joe Thornton. But the point is, it's like Washington would be like, like I think they would be the expendables equivalent of, of the NHL because of all these older guys who are there who are on a team whose cup window is still, they still have a cup window. I don't know how big it is in comparison to a Tampa. I don't know how, I don't think it's as big as a Tampa. I don't think it's as big as a Colorado. It's not as big as a Vegas. But we look at a Washington Capitals team. We still expect them to make the playoffs, and it wouldn't surprise us if they put together a decent run, right? So, yeah, I, I think uh, I was kind of bummed to see that Lucas wouldn't play, all because now Zdeno Charles part of that team. But I think he'll give so, he'll give a lot of guidance to those young defensemen there, and and I think he'll be a, he'll be a solid veteran presence in Washington.
3: And he's still gonna play what maybe fifteen to. Six, 15 to eighteen minutes a game. He's, he's still gonna play a big role. Wow. Even if he's, that's
1: a huge, huge
3: emphasis. Yeah, on if he game.
1: does that, if he does that at forty three, that's impressive. But like he 50 will. Minutes. That's a lot. Like uh, for a forty three year old guy, that's quite a bit of time.
3: And I just feel like he's gonna play that the same amount of time until he retires. Like, he's so in shape. He's so, like, he's such a good athlete. It's crazy. This
0: is the problem uh, I've always had with Chara. Like, I have so much respect for this person, but I hate him and his team so much. It's not his you team no more.
2: I know, no, but I'm, now that. I have to hate
0: the Capitals. So
2: You can, like, I. this is the way I view it. Like, we had a similar experience seeing a player kind of age this way in, in Chris Chelios, for example. Mm. I feel like... Daniel Chara kind of aged in that way, right? Like he was like Chelios was effective well into his late thirties, almost pretty much 40. He was still used as a number four, number five, even then, which is impressive. And so was Chara to, to, to about last year. So 41 years old, still putting in that performance, Like like that respect is ridiculous. The experience that he can impart on kids, is ridiculous and he can contribute fifteen to sixteen and if there's injuries, more minutes a game. That's impressive for that amount that you and Washington was amongst something like 20 teams interested in him. So it tells me that Washington is going for it as well, which makes me as equally as frustrated as Julian because I really wanted Lunquist to play on that team.
3: Yeah. And he could have played number one. I mean, I mean, no, if anything, no, it's happens on Sansonite. Sansonite. yeah, well,
0: that's, so what could have been, but well, we'll have to hold on to that hope, at least in our fantasy uh, leagues. We'll see how it goes. Uh, other thoughts in the NHL action uh, or uh,
2: odds and ends that we should talk about. Marco, what do you think? It, what do you, what do people need to know? Well, when people hear this, the NHL will be starting in about what? Six, five, six days. That's pretty, that's pretty insane. Uh, I think we, 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 we talk about the world juniors. We just watched that entertain, you know, the hockey world for the last two and a half weeks. That was really fun, but I feel like that was an introduction to what we're about to get in about a in about a week from now, which is back to back condensed fifty six game season. Uh, I know that some people in the Canadian division might not be happy about the time frame of playing certain Western Conference teams. I can I can understand that frustration, but you're getting hockey in a, in a pandemic, and You're going to get that hot and heavy. These teams are going to be stacked. They're going to be ready for anything in this league. And you're going to get 10 games, nine games versus the same teams. There's going to be a lot of rivalry games. I really look forward to this. It kind of feels like little bubble 1950s NHL leagues where you had six teams and that was the league. Uh, And and we see where the, the standings fall at the end. I feel like that's pretty cool. I think that the system they also imparted with the playoffs is going to help a lot for rivalries because you have to finish the four Canadian teams down to two and then into the semifinals. So a lot of rivalries just within the country itself. I think this is a unique time and it's going to be really fun.
1: The one thing I'm I'm really intrigued about is how the games are scheduled to kind of make it similar to those baseball series. You know, when like a team goes to visit a city for like three or four nights as opposed to MLB where you're seeing like back to back to back to back games, uh, you're see, you'll see an HL team, you know, if they're going to be in Toronto, they'll be there for like, you know, a couple of nights playing like two or three games spread out over a week. I'm really excited to see how that will play out and how those teams who will pretty much get to know each other throughout those span, throughout that span of time and, and how it will make for for some of those games and who will get to play where. And, and again, with that taxi squad, who gets to be inserted in the lineup, who doesn't and all that. Um, and also just how we're going to like start labeling it and whatever, just because obviously in baseball, we say like, Hey, this, this, this series between Cleveland and Detroit or whatever, but now we're going to be like Montreal and Toronto, this series. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that uh, with the play that we're going to get through these next games, I just hope that the quality is going to be, is going to be good. Uh, I have reason to believe it could be, even though the the training camp is going to be a little short for pretty much every team, but I don't know. I'm I'm not going to be in the mood to complain about whatever we get. I know there's going to be, I know, you know, if the game is going to be sluggish and you're going to be seeing these wild scores, like eight, two or whatever, people are going to start complaining. I'm not going to, I'm going to try not to complain. I'll point that out, but I'm going to try not to complain. Cause uh, just like you guys, I'm excited that hockey's back period.
0: I think, I think everyone has a right to complain quietly under their breath. It's just, if you start being that person on social media, um, we all know who you are. Uh, please stop. Wow. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, you know how it is. Like, like, wow. uh, 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 but, uh, I think, if I you think, that's think
1: what, I'm going to get in on that slander
2: with y'all. Mm-hmm. y'all, I, didn't y'all not, I didn't name y'all anybody. I didn't name anybody. Me in trouble. Not made, not me anybody. Like me, I'm not trying to get in trouble. Well, uh, the last thing I wanted to add, just because we're going to, we're about to start the season is the discussion with 32 teams coming into the league. Now, maybe extending Uh, As they did last year in the playoffs, having that kind of play-in round uh, into the playoffs and seeing if they can expand the playoff system to include a play-in. And I feel like that is also intriguing. I feel like Mm -hmm. the league really hasn't evolved in terms of their postseason setup. It's been 16 teams since they had 23 teams in the league. It's it's evolved since then. We, We have many more teams. I feel like updating the system kind of makes sense, maybe adding around to it. I know the AHL uh, has, I believe, one longer round uh, in their AHL setup. I feel like they have a shorter uh, first round, and then they have the second, third, and then semifinal, final final. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the NHL was considering that before um, they were planning out this season. Now they went with the traditional playoffs, but I know that going forward, talking about extending games, there's talk of the playoffs kind of adding an extra play-in round like they do in the MLB. I feel like they're going to extend seasons going forward. It's going to be more than just 82 games plus four rounds. So yeah.
1: all I'll say is that I don't know I don't have any intel on that, but but sign me up for for play in rounds because I thought the play in rounds during the pl- during the playoff bubble was a really great idea. And that seeing the teams that won and lost, I was pretty surprised to to see how that went down. And ultimately it was it was good quality hockey. So I'm I'm all in on on play-in rounds for I mean, even in the NFL right now, they they expanded their playoffs as well. Uh, So I'm all in on expanded playoffs. Don't get to a point where you let everyone in, but having that extra game, I don't think is going to hurt anybody.
0: Certainly. Uh, Adam, you're our commerce guy. Tell us, is there any other revenue streams, any other formats the NHL should be looking at? NHL, pay attention to this podcast. We're giving you all this stuff for free. Take notes.
3: Yeah, honestly, I I think we touched on everything. Um, If we can move... Right on. To if you guys don't mind, we could talk about a bit of drama and uh, contract extensions in Dubois Let's and Dubois and Barzal, right? dun, dun. So we had, yeah, basically we had uh, pierre luc Dubois signing his extension, two years, five million per year with Columbus, and then right right away asking for a trade. Um, so yeah, that's that was pretty interesting. I don't know what Marco thinks about it. We also have Barzell who didn't sign and is not at the Islanders camp. So that's that's pretty interesting. But Matt
1: Martin has a contract.
3: Yeah. For three years, three more years. I it's four
1: years. Four years one point five. Worse. <laughs> it's four years one point five million for Matt Martin. I don't get yeah. it. I don't that's get crazy. it. I'm not Lou Morello.
0: Who, I don't have his Who's activity. his agent? Because I need that person in my
2: life. Lou Lamorello is his agent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've never seen a guy get another guy so many good contracts in my like life. There's a love affair between this
3: GM and this player. And I you, forget who tweeted about it, but it's they stated that that's his last contract. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, it's, very, it's his. Yeah, it. I mean, Incredible. his
2: the last one should have been his last contract. But Matt Martin is going to play on this fourth line simply Andy, to add the depth that they need and add the yeah. the physical nature that Lula Morello likes to play. I mean, he, I think they also signed Andy Green, if I'm not mistaken. I'm confused. Mm. I'm very confused.
1: You have a player like Matt Barzal, who is arguably, not arguably, he's the best player on your team. He's a guy who who does well at five on five. He's a guy who does well getting points per game. He's He's proven himself to be a very quality NHL player. This is a New York Islanders team that... You know, we, there are flashier teams in the Eastern Conference, but at the end of the day, they were the ones who went toe-to-toe with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the conference final. They're a good team. They're coached very well. They have goaltending. They have four, They have a lot of key pieces. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Islanders found a way to sneak into the playoffs again and surprise people. And Matthew Barzal is a huge component to that squad. Why haven't you re-signed him yet? Why haven't they done that? I think that's Absolutely. very. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't have all the insight on that, but I'm just very stunned at how the Islanders have let this go on with with Barzal uh, and not get to a point where he's signed. I think he's too too crucial of a piece to just kind of let him hang on the periphery and not have him report to camp. And with Pierre Dubois, Dubois, um, I'm a bit surprised too. I I, I wonder if it he just feels that like. The fit with John Tortorella isn't so great. I, I I've seen people suggest that he probably wants a bigger stage. And and I'm very curious what that specifically entails, but I am also surprised that you would want out in Columbus because Columbus is also a pretty decent team as well. That maybe they're a bit more of an underdog, but I think they they've proven that in in these last few series, thanks to the coaching of John Tortorella, they can hang with a lot of different teams in the playoff series. So I'm pretty surprised that those two guys um, are are kind of out there trying to figure out what their status is with 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 their respective teams, and and maybe one player wants to get out of their city more than the other. But if I'm a GM and I have Either of those players on my team, I'm trying to find a way to keep those guys. Barzal a little bit more than Dubois, but I'm very surprised at at the fact that we live in a world where, where Barzal's still trying to figure out his contract. And no disrespect to Matt Martin, but my man, like in terms of the priority list, like he's not top priority, man. Well, like I mean, didn't Barzal
0: actually he, show up to training camp? But he can't leave, like he can't participate in scrimmages? He had to do his physicals, right.
3: Jeez. He's on the roster. He's on he's the on, he's the he's training camp roster but like so he yeah, just can't he participate
0: in scrimmages. That's
3: a deal. Yeah. yeah, he does and and it's it's crazy cuz the Islanders have 3.9 million cap space. And I was talking with Marco earlier they're like he's going to ask after that Dubois extension he's going to ask for at least 7. Yeah, so there's he something did, they, they have seven. to move. They have, maybe the whole taxi squad's going to come in and save them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's then again. No,
2: there, there's been talk that the Islanders uh, as early as tonight were progressing with talks. From what I read, it's just that they have to trade. They have to make a trade. So, like the Leo Komarov, for example, is one of the names that is being floated out there. They have to make a trade. Right, now, they already got rid of Devin Days. They need to go and make one more cap-clearing trade. They do have the picks to trade. They certainly have the prospects to add if they need to have the team take on. I know the LA Kings. I know New Jersey has the room. So it's very possible. Um, But they're more than likely going to have to give up an asset.
0: Shall we talk about the Ryan Callahan retirement?
1: Do any of you guys have memories
2: of Ryan Callahan? I know he uh,
1: was a great player of the New York Rangers. Uh, Played with the Tampa Bay Lightning in the uh, the Stanley Cup Final. That's pretty much it. But I think uh, a guy who had a solid NHL career, um, you know, I think he was injured in his last year, if I recall correctly. Um, but, uh, good, a good part of some of those Rangers teams, uh, some of those good Rangers teams. Uh, so good to see him, uh, go off into the sunset, uh, with a solid NHL career in his life.
0: Long to you, Mr. Callahan and, uh, enjoy your retirement post-season. Uh, speaking of other people, uh, that are not in the lineup, but not necessarily retiring Taves is currently out indefinitely with the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Marco, do you want to speak a little bit to the situation?
2: Well, he seem, he, he's claiming to, well, claiming, he's feeling uh, weak, sluggish, uh, seems to have difficulty when it comes to really pushing himself physically. So he seems to uh, have been told to take it easy uh, for a longer period, probably going to be out for the year from what we're being told, uh, but it's going to be monitored. So we'll see how it progresses uh, over the next couple of weeks. Hopefully he gets better. I mean, you never want to kind of hear these stories, especially for a guy like Jonathan Tays, three Stanley Cups. He's pretty much won every championship there is uh, great leader. You hate to see that happen.
1: I, I think uh, Jonathan Tays is one of the greatest leaders that we have seen uh, as in pro hockey period. We've seen what he's done at the world junior level. We've seen what he's done with his with his NHL team, the Hawks in Chicago, we've seen what he's done at the Olympics. Yes, we all remember uh, Sidney Crosby's golden goal in 2010, but let it be known, the best forward on that team, on that Team Canada squad, was Jonathan Taze. And Jonathan Taze also scored in that gold medal game. I think the world of Jonathan Tays as a hockey player. And to hear that uh, he's going through this now, uh, it's a big loss for Chicago. That's a team already that uh, is already on the decline. They're already trying to you know, figure out life, post those Stanley Cups of the 2010s. And Patrick Kane is essentially going to be on an island for himself, trying to work with some of the younger forwards at his disposal. Uh, I don't think they have much goaltending this year. Uh, so that's a team that's really going to be in for a weird 2021 season. And the fact that they're going to go through it without their heart and soul, their captain in in Jonathan Tay's uh, it's a, that's a pretty big hit for them. Uh, they really could have used a guy like him, but, uh, health comes first and, and hopefully in his case, um, he's able to be back at full strength just so he can live his life, let alone be able to play hockey. Uh, it seems like it's a, I don't know everything about, uh, what's going on with, with, with Jonathan Tays, but I'm under the impression it's very significant and very serious, serious enough for him to just say like, Hey, like I, I need, I need to be out indefinitely. Like it's, it's a, it's a pretty serious situation.
0: Uh, let's also keep it with the Blackhawks. Do you want to talk about Strom for a second?
3: Yeah, well, Strom signed his, uh, a contract extension with the Blackhawks. He signed two years, uh, $6 million, so $3 million annual uh, value. And, well, I mean, he's basically going to be their number one center now. Yeah. Now that Taze is out. And, wow. No Taze, no Doc. Even Nealanders out, and they lost their number one goalie.
0: But a $6 million extension.
3: There you go. So that's going to be, he's going to be playing with Kane. So it goes back that's to it. that
2: money. It's all about that. money. That's yeah. it,
3: but that's it. But that just goes back to my point. Like this Chicago
1: team is basically just going to be Patrick Kane, just like stick handling through the offensive zone and, and hoping Dominic Kubalik can finish off some of his plays. And that's pretty much all you could really look forward to uh, with Chicago this year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they have some nice pieces coming up on defense. I, I really like the way that they're, they're slowly kind of transitioning that. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Seabrook. Uh, that's going to be a fun story with them. Um, but mostly I want to see how guys like Adam Boquist kind of grow into their role. I know offensively, especially with Doc out, there's not much to look forward to, but I feel like obviously this team will finish, you know, bottom 10 say uh, as they did last year or as they were about to do last year and really kind of start the rebuild properly i would have a strong division like i really wouldn't be surprised if they start trading pieces they yeah. they have a really strong division it it's like the writing's on the wall it's one of those moments where a team really starts to rebuild
0: All right, boys, we're getting to the end of the show. So I'm always like to throw it over to you. So I'll start off with our special guest. Julian, do you have anything that you want to throw out there in the hockey world? Anything at all?
1: I mean, like, I'll I'll just say that um, I don't really have much to plug except my Twitter, which you already did. Um, Check out uh, the Hockey Inside Out show at the Montreal Gazette. I'm hosting the show every week now. So uh, be sure to check us out uh, and check out the live blogs. I'm happy to say that I'm going to be back for another season with, uh, with the Gazette writing live blogs for abs games and, uh, my about last night column will also be back as well. So, um, keep, keep watch of that and, uh, stay tuned for any other news I may post in the coming days. Who knows what will happen? So, Ooh, uh, I, are I, we, are you I, tempting
0: I, us with another exclusive?
1: No, not really. Just like, you know, just, I know I got a lot of stuff going on and it feels like stuff just keeps moving like every day. Right. So, you know, just, you just gotta be, just gotta be alert. You just gotta see what's going on. So, um, I, I think I'll be pretty busy between the Gazette and, uh, uh and a few other places I'll be writing with, with, uh, for the upcoming NHL season. So, uh, uh, just give me a shout and you know look keep an eye on the space.
0: I 100% will do that and uh, you can always find Julian's amazing work on Twitter but uh any good final publication will have Julian's work featured in it. Uh Adam Marco what are your final thoughts before we tag out for the show?
3: Basically we'll be back next week on the 12 to record a well I guess we'll record a season preview and we'll give our predictions for for the four divisions. Uh other than that thank you Julian for joining and That's pretty much it.
2: I wanted to thank Julian for coming on. I thought that was great. I feel like now we're really going to be able to focus on an NHL season. We get to talk about, you know, some real topics that are relevant right now. And we're getting to talk about hockey. Yeah, Yeah, see, this is the best part about it.
0: Yeah, sorry, fans. I I know that you're probably griping, but like we were really grasping at straws towards the end there, where we're like, hey, this is somewhat hockey related, (laughs) and we we would put it in. That's why we took a little bit of a break uh, during the holiday season. Plus, there wasn't that much hockey happening. But of course, when the World Juniors came around, we had to talk about that. And of course, now that the NHL seasons returning, we will be back in action. So the NHL stars on your ice, and we'll be available wherever good fine podcasts are found.
1: Stay home, people. COVID nineteen is very serious and spent a lot of family so I'm I'm trying to you know
0: be responsible and we're in total agreement on that. That's it for the hockey flow. Again, I want to keep you posted on who and where to follow all of us, so you can follow all our action and updates at the hockey flow. That's D A H O C K E Y F L O W on Twitter. You can find Julian McKenzie, our special guest from today, also on Twitter at J K A M C K E N Z I E, and you can find all of his great work featured in Habs Eyes on the Prize, the Waterboys Podcast, Watch Mojo with the Montreal Gazette, and many other fine publications and platforms. Marco D'Amico can be found at scrimmagestats.com, and of course at the hockey expert and Adam Boucher can be found on Twitter at really Adam B. I'm AJ Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week. The NHL season starts.